Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Good Life Podcast with Mike Safosnik. A secret, unplanned podcast tonight. Coming to you yet again from my favorite place in New York City, the amazing Jack Dempsey's Bar, located at 36 West 33rd Street, the heart of Midtown Manhattan, around the corner from the Empire State Building. A huge thank you to my boy, Sean Riddle, the president of the University of Kentucky Alumni Association here in New York, again letting me do my show here, which overly thankful. You can find my podcast by searching Mike Sappho on any podcast app, especially iTunes. So what's the reason for this special podcast? Friday night, late edition. Obviously, we have an extremely special guest today. It's not Simba. Let's welcome to the show again the 16th pick overall in the 1978 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks, a living legend down the Bluegrass State, the most outstanding player in the 1978 Final Four, where he dropped a career-high 41 points. Note, I once scored 11 points in, uh, in NBA Live <laughs> 2011. Uh, he dropped a career-high 41 points on none other than the hated Duke Blue Devils. Number 21, the Goose. Jack Gibbons. Hey, Jack, Mike. thank you and welcome to the show. Nice to be here, man. Cheers, thank you Jack. very much. Let's give a little cheers. All right. Cheers. I'm drinking water, so everybody knows. So am I, Jack, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack, we already had our real interview a few months ago, which was yes. awesome. What are you doing today? Besides visiting me in New York City, what's the reason for your New York City visit? Well, I had some business meetings here in the city this morning, starting about 9 o'clock, worked till about 4. Good meetings, uh, good day. And, and of course, the main reason is, though, I wanted to come and hang with you. It had nothing to do with business. I wanted to hang with you. Obviously, the way you people lie, (laughs) I have a business meeting. I know you. So you and I have been planning to get together for close to a year now when we met. a superstorm basically canceled the first trip. Mm-hmm. My trip to Thailand canceled the second one, which I would have canceled for you, Jack, I promise you. No, you would not have. So you're finally here. <laughs> Let me ask you, your first trip to Lombardi's pizza place. Let me hear about it. It you- was excellent. I mean, a great, great, great pizza. You had told me how, how good it was. Um, I didn't believe you until I had the first slice. Uh, the first of many slices. Well, I was going to say, Jack, you didn't just have one slice. Jack, you got around five. Yeah, yeah, the first of many. But it was it was very good. And, uh, Great Jack, experience. You know what I love? I love that I was very fortunate to interview different people of different genres. So I get a lot of different people listening. But once I tweet and everything about Jack Gibbons being on the show, a lot of Kentucky fans and people will be listening to the show. Tell me about Empire State Building. Did you go there tonight? <laughs> we went to the – and it's a, a totally different look at night with mm-hmm. the lights. I mean, it was gorgeous. I think I remember being there once years and years and years ago, maybe way back in the day when we played in the NIT here. Okay. Uh, way back in the day. I think we took a tour. But um, we went during the day. But at nighttime, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe there's – so many lights. Who pay, who pays the light bill here, man? It's amazing. I mean, everywhere. I mean, as far as the eye could see, there were lights and tall buildings. Now, Jack, how long was the line, Jack, for you to get in? Obviously, you must have a because listen, it's a Friday night, New York City summer night. Did you have a long line to wait online? Well, when you know people, and I know people, um, you don't have to wait in lines. And, Mike, you did a good job making all the arrangements. We went right to the front of the line, zipped right up the elevator, 
and uh, had a great time up on top. I mean, it was it was beautiful, uh, gorgeous night. It was clear; you could see forever. Um, and I hear it's not that way all the time. So it was it was special to be be here on this night. It, it's not. I've gotten. I'm very fortunate to, to go up there a lot, and time. It's it stands still when you're up there, and it sounds silly when people don't hear it, but you're 86 floors high. You see the water in the huts not moving. You see red time stands still, and you see all the lights just beeping and, and blind. It's great. Now, before we pass the mic around, I introduce everyone who's here. We have a Kentucky presidents and vice presidents and board members. Every person who comes on my show tells a good story. I try to make it not so interview-like. Can you please tell everyone who's listening, and I'm very fortunate to have a lot of listeners. For some reason, they listen to it. Can you please tell everyone the Michael Jordan story at the golf when you met Michael Jordan? Oh, when we this were... is, He says, oh, like, this is the coolest story. You met Mike. Please tell the Michael Jordan story. Yeah, well, you know, we were out in Las Vegas playing golf at a, uh, a, a golf course at a golf club called Cascada. Excellent. I mean, just unbelievable. It's one of those courses where there's not a blade of grass out of place. And uh, we had been out. We were out with a group of like 70 guys. I mean, it was a big outing. And Michael and his group, probably about three or four foursomes, were sitting out on the uh, uh, patio uh, of the restaurant, uh, having a drink, smoking a cigar. And uh, I had seen Michael out there. And I came in and uh, didn't want to go out and bug him because he was with his guys. Well, he called and uh, talked to one of my uh, co-players and said, hey, have Goose come out here a minute. It'd be nice to see him. And, and uh, my guy, Austin uh, Schenfelder, Austin came and said, hey, Mike wants you to come out a minute. I said, Austin, I, I'm not going out to bother Mike. And he said, yeah, so uh, long story short, I go out. Mike gives me a uh, a man hug, you know, and, and we, uh, we, we exchange uh, um, pleasantries. And he said, man, and was talking loud enough for all his guys to hear. When I was uh, young, I used to be the goose in the backyard. And I used to, even though I'm right-handed, I shot with my left. And I'm, I'm like, Mike, come on now. He said, no, I'm serious, man. And, uh, uh, and a lot of the guys with me heard that, so of course I played that to the tilt. Of course. Point. I mean, you know. But it was it was a fun night. It was a fun experience, and and I had broadcasted many many Chicago Bulls games on the TV back sure. when I was with the Orlando Magic and with Turner Sports. So I broadcasted a bunch of games. I had opportunity to interview Mike a few times, so uh, we knew each other. But that's the first time I'd heard that side of the story from Michael, so it was fun. No, you see, I love how you played off like, oh, it was fun. Michael Jordan told you he one time shot left because that is the coolest thing I've ever. No, I, it's Michael Jordan. All right, so three days ago, I take a day off. I'm in Central Park. Right. And I'm walking down Central I'm walking down Fifth Avenue, and I see David Robinson. Yeah. And I say, oh, the Admiral. And he looks down at me. He's like, hey, how are you? I shake his hand. I said, I'm a huge fan. He goes, oh, thank you. I said, listen, uh. You made me cry when you beat the Knicks for the championship. He laughed, and he goes, uh, I'm like, Mr. Robinson, can I have a picture with you? I take a picture with him, and he says to me, he says, uh, you know, it's funny. He goes, do you know how many people look at me and call me a different name? So I'm going to ask you something. Have you ever been mistaken for a different player or a different yeah, person? Uh, I, I want to hear a, a well, good one. You know, I spoke Cameron to Mills. The, uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cameron and I are like 20. You're both I mean, 21. <laughs> we're brothers from another mother. You Obviously. Know I mean? We, we look a whole lot alike. 
but uh, I used to get uh, uh, a lot of a lot of folks used to say, "Man, you're Alex English, aren't you? You're Alex English." Number two for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver Nuggets. Yes. You're Alex. I'm like, no, no, no. I know Alex, but I'm not. Yes, you're Alex. Well, I was speaking to the Boys and Girls Club in Orangeboro, Kentucky, just a couple of nights ago, and a lot of the kids, because I'm tall, I think, uh, they were saying, you're Michael Jordan, aren't you? You're Michael Jordan. So, uh, yeah, every now and then, um, um, you know, I am mistaken for someone else. Uh, and now that it's been a while since I played, a lot of people look at me and they say, I know you. You played ball, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, and it, it takes them a little you, while. You were somebody. I know yeah, you. You're wearing that a ring. little time to come up with the name, but uh, usually they do, or I say, yeah, my name is uh, Jack and Goose, right? And, and yeah. it, it comes out at that time. You, you were drafted by Atlanta Hawks. Right. And, and I actually want, this is, might be the only serious question we ask all night. When you got drafted by the Hawks, it was only, I think, two or three players, and the experience level was only three or four years for the top players. So you were a very young team. You came on at 21 or 22 years old. Do you think if you were drafted by a different team, not the longevity in the league, but maybe a different career aspect? I'm not saying the Hawks were a bad organization. Right. You guys did win the, you know, a playoff round. But do you think maybe because you were such a young player on such a young team, does that ever like, do you ever, does that resonate and like say, oh, sh crap, it, I it, wish I would have. It does. Okay. I mean, it does. I mean, I, um, I don't know. I, uh, and, you, and often because my NBA career wasn't very long and uh, I think back on it and I wonder why. And yeah, it could have made a difference if I was with a different team with some uh, di um, different makeup of players and coaches for that matter mm -hmm. that uh, might have made the experience a little bit different. But I, I, you know, I had an opportunity to play a couple of years. It was fun. Uh, had a great time. But, uh, but yeah, sure, you, you would wonder what it would be like had I been with this team or that team, of course. Now, you played – now, if I might be wrong. We don't fact-check here. You were, when you played the first year, Moses Malone was in the league, George Gervin. Was there ever a welcome to the NBA moment like you look around like, holy crap, I'm in the league with this dude? Because you came – listen, you came from Kentucky, which is – the upper echelon. You, mm -hmm. There's a few teams that are it's the Kentucky, the Carolinas, the UCLA's that are above everybody else. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Kentucky fan, but they are. You're coming from an NBA-type atmosphere. Were you ever in awe of a play like, holy crap, I'm on the court with the Iceman. I'm on the court with Moses. Was that... Did you ever feel that, or you knew you well, were on that on par with them? Probably um, um, the one time that was really neat for me. Uh, one of my uh, idols growing up, I watched and I had the opportunity to play against him was uh, Kareem mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jabbar. Uh, had an opportunity to play I, against I call him, him. I call him Lou. I, Lou, I know yeah, Lou. you, yeah, you yeah. know him on a personal basis. Well, yeah. Lou from Rocket Park from uh, New York City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, we were playing the Lakers, and, uh, um, you know, I, I guarded James Worthy, and uh, James was a very good player, and uh, Wilkes was on that team. I, pl I played against Wilkes, I think, that first year. Uh, uh, but, yeah, we were, going, we were playing the game, and, uh, you know, I went in, and he slapped one of my shots up in about the uh, 12th row. <laughs> Um, but he did put his arm around me and say, young fellow, you're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. He said, I do this to everybody. Um, and I say, okay, man, now that you put it that way, I feel a whole lot better. Now we're good. Uh, now everybody's we're good. saying ooh and an ah and, you know, with, with the block shot, you know. But other than that, uh, but, yeah, that was a real special moment. He was, he was very serious about 
uh, encouraging me to keep playing hard. Now, the next year was the 79-80 season, and that was the Magic and Bird yep. season. Yep. And they always say, um, in baseball, they always say the baseball was saved with Cal Ripken's streak and the Maguire-Sosa chase. Mm -hmm. And in basketball, they always say Jordan saved it, but also Magic and Bird gave the alley-oop to it. Did you sense a change in 79-80 when they came in, or you didn't see it yet? Because... They might have came in a little different. Did any kind of change? Well, you um, I I, uh, I did actually see a change uh, at that time. I didn't see it that first year. Okay. Uh, but soon after they were in the year uh, in the league, a, a few years, uh, yeah, yeah, you could notice that things were about to change. I mean, the the big difference was uh, television, the approach uh, uh, that television started to have with the uh, uh, with the NBA game itself, because. Uh, up until then, the league was struggling, number one. It was, it was barely hanging on. I mean, uh, but right after they came into the league, um, it seemed like the interest that people had from college was transferring over now to that NBA level because Magic and Larry Bird played against each other in the finals. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan in the, State in the won. United States, sure, sure. Uh, won it all. And that just carried right over into the NBA. And, and it, it didn't hurt with Magic going to the Lakers and Larry going to the of Celtics. Course not. I of mean, course two, not. the two premier fa franchises at that time. Um, so it was easy for um, people to get behind them. And it's easy for TV to get behind them because they were the two largest markets. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is the, is the large market, is that a big issue? Because you play in Atlanta. Smaller, yeah, yeah. but this is Boston, LA, and these are the. Oh yeah. Okay, is that a big? That was a big issue. With yeah, the, there were two very big, big uh, TV markets. Okay. Uh, two very big advertising markets. So not only were you starting to see games, you were starting to see Magic and Larry uh, show up on commercials. Okay. Uh, so uh, they were competing for championships. So all of that kind of built the league up to a level it had never been before. And, and I think at that time, Magic Johnson signed what we thought at that time was an unbelievable contract. I mean, it was something like $25 million for 25 yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, and we thought back then, what in the world is going on? What is this world coming to, uh, giving players that kind of money? We as players thought it because it was unheard of. But... Uh, that kind of set the trend. And, and then Michael came in and Isaiah came in and uh, uh, some of these other guys who had had very successful college careers started coming in. Um, now the TV market kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So uh, it, it grew uh, over from, from the time they came in to when Michael came in to when Isaiah came in. Uh, and then you carry it on out a number of years to when Shaq came in mm -hmm. and all of these other guys more recent. Uh, and the NBA is, is now huge now, uh, huge. Now, I want to ask you something before I let Jen and Sean, if Simba wants to talk, because when you were recruited, Joby Hall recruited you, right? Mm -hmm. Now, yes. I remember we talked about racism back then, and you, you, you were um, – concerned with the racism are you in Kentucky is it gonna be an issue do you feel stressed because now we, we sat around here the whole night we, we went to we went out to eat Empire State Building we came to Jack Dempsey's we drank water the entire night cold water though and it had ice in it so you, what, I'm drinking I'm, 
cold water, warm water. We're having a water calm night. You uh, no, we, we we talked about, we, and we talked about players like oh Carl Town. They're seventeen, eighteen. I can't pick a team in FIFA when I play Simber on PlayStation Three. Is it such a stressful event for a seventeen-year-old to put in to pick a school? Number one. Number two, you were in the 70s where there was racism and people want to put the blind eye, stop, there was racism. And what was your recruiting like? How does someone recruit you? Because I'm always curious. Jack, I don't know if you know this. I know you've been you know, looking at my physique. I've been working out. I wasn't recruited for any sports coming out of school. None? I, Not one? That's why mom says, how were you recruited? See, I, I, you and my I mom had talk. you pegged for a wrestler, man. My, well, ultimate fighter. I get ultimate fighter, wrestler. Sometimes people call me a place kicker, but I, I take offense to that. <laughs> so, so let me let me hear the, the recruiting pro. How does Joe B. Hall recruit you? Because well, because now you're talking legendary player, legendary coach. How does he recruit you? I, I tell people that I probably was the easiest recruiting uh, job Coach Hall ever had. Um, I grew up 15 minutes from the university. Mm-hmm. Not that I followed the university back in those days. Yeah, I, found that I, didn't. I found that intriguing, yeah. Uh, I didn't because they didn't have any players that looked like me that I could relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was easier to look at the game that came on on Saturdays, whether it's UCLA or some of the other schools that were really good at that time that, that had players to look like me. And uh, that's what I say. I wanted to be like Kareem, or who was Lou, at, Lou Alcindor at that time. I wanted to be like those guys. Sure, nobody at Kentucky because nobody looked like me at Kentucky. Um, so, um, so I tell people his his recruiting job was easy because what I did was I lived in the state of Kentucky, 15 minutes uh, from campus. Okay. Um, every high school game I played in throughout the state, and and we would go on the road and we would play everywhere. Uh, every game uh, had. There were was standing room only with mm-hmm. no empty seats. Now, was this to uh, you or just because it was Kentucky basketball? Like no, no, no. I'm talking high school. Okay. I'm talking high school. Okay. Uh, every game, every gym I went into was full, and everyone had blue and white jerseys on, and er, or blue and white shirts, uh, Kentucky shirts, and uh, there was never a gym I went into where anyone, white, black, or indifferent, said, "We don't want you to go to Kentucky." I was recruited every night, and Joe B. was not at every game. Wow. So uh, uh, I knew from playing in the state of Kentucky that the people of the state of Kentucky, white, uh, black, from Louisville, which is the, be- the biggest city, mm-hmm. or Hazard, which is one of the smallest, and we played in all of them, but the people wanted me there, and they, they at least made me feel like they wanted me at the University of Kentucky. So when the time came for me to, and that was for three years mm-hmm. of high school basketball. So when it came from it came time for me to make my decision, it was pretty easy because I was recruited for the University of Kentucky every night. How awesome. When people think about coaching in Kentucky, it goes Rupp, Joby Hall. I know people don't want to hear it. Listen, it's Rick Pitino. He brought us back, whatever, Calipari. Joby Hall is he's still around the he's still around. Cal Perry says he still talks one three one stuff. What was what did Joby Hall mean to you? Like is he a special person in your life? Well, yeah, I, uh, but let me say first, uh, because I don't know that the order is as you put it, uh, as far as 
the four that you named. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I agree that uh, Coach Rupp uh, was, was very special coach, and he is very still very special to a lot of people and to the history of Kentucky basketball. Uh, but um, um, I don't know particularly this generation, if you will. I don't know that they place as much emphasis on, on Adolph Rupp. Okay. Now, Coach Hall is still around. Even though he's 86, 87 years old, people still see him. So as far as being endeared, uh, I would think that Coach Hall might be at the top of the list. Uh, mm -hmm. because of because of the fact that people still see him. And he's and, still around. And he's still, still going. Around. Yeah. Uh, and then number two would be Calipari. Of course. I understand uh, Patino did some good things. Of but, course, definitely. Uh, and if Patino had not gone to the University of Louisville and coached there, he still might be second on the list. I don't know, but... Uh, I, I would think now, in the in the eyes of most Kentucky fans, uh, Rick Pitino is down the list now, just above uh, Billy Gillespie. Okay, um, and I know I'm getting in there. You know, you know, no, I know I you want to talk about that. Probably, I know, no, but, I, I know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something, Jack. I'm gonna tell you something. I actually, and this is funny. When I told Sean, I go, you know what? I'm gonna go out for Jack. We can go out for um, Peach and Empire. I'm I'm very lucky that I have a podcast, and the fact that. <laughs> People listen. It actually shocks me when I look and I'm like, 1,100 people listen. Like, what are they doing with their life? Why are they listening? I want to have more fun. Like, just like maybe 10 more minutes of talking with you. I know Sean and Jen and Simba want to talk to you, but I have my personal opinion of Rick Pitino. I he did bring us back from the depths, and I I, I have love for him. I do. I wish he would have went to any other school because I would have felt so much love. Billy Gillespie is a dark time in in my opinion this is all my opinion is that a problem with Kentucky fans do, do you feel that Kentucky fans don't like Billy G because and also the Tubby Smith factor I'm, I'm gonna give you my opinion as a, just only a fan that's I don't know if you knew this I didn't play Kentucky mm -hmm. um, I stole a few rings from a few players but listen whatever <laughs> there's no police reports I loved Patino because he got his championship I felt Tubby did what he had to do with Rick's players, again, being one of those conceited fans, and then the Billy years. What do you think of those two years? And then we're going to have some fun. So just give me the Tubby Smith years to the Billy years. Like, we call well, them the dark ages, which isn't fair because we're spoiled. But Yeah, no, number one, um, the myth that Tubby Smith won a championship with Rick Pitino's players is about the craziest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Tubby Smith won a championship because Tubby Smith was coaching that team. I don't care whose players he had. Uh, uh, Tubby Smith won the championship. Definitely. Um, and it would probably be, if you <clears throat> want to look at it on that level, it would be tougher for Tubby to win with those particular players yes. just simply because <laughs> those particular players were used to playing the Rick Pitino system. Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, Tubby won the championship because Tubby's a great coach. He's showing that now. Everywhere he goes, he mm -hmm. wins. Minnesota. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, um, but but I um, I like Tubby as a man. I like Tubby as a coach. He's still a good friend of mine every uh, to this day. Um, I wish Tubby had stayed longer. Uh, I really do. So do I. Because I he was yeah, doing yeah. a lot of great things in my mind. Uh, but he made the most of it when the time came for him to leave. He stood up like a gentleman. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't 
stab anybody uh, in, in the program. He didn't burn one bridge. He didn't burn a bridge. Uh, the fans still love Tubby, and that's the way I would expect him to handle it. Now, Billy G, um, it was a very difficult time. But understand, I'm now uh, that I obviously don't play anymore, uh, it's my job as a former player, I think, uh, my job is to support the coach that's there. It's not to second guess publicly. It's not to uh, belittle them. It's not to say if I were doing it my way, I would be doing this as opposed to that. My job as a fan and as a former player is to support the coach that's there. And Billy Gillespie and I were very good, very good friends. Okay. I mean, we got along well. If I came to a practice to watch his team's practice, uh, the first, he'd blow the whistle, and the first thing he'd do, he'd tell a manager, he said, go get Goose the leather seat back in the back and put it right at half court. And then he'd say, if you don't mind, could you come out here and speak to my players wow. and tell my players what it's like to play at Kentucky? Uh, tell them what it means. They don't get it. Uh, so, so I was good to go with Billy G. Now, okay. not many people... Not many former players will say that. That's fine. But, but, but I like Billy G. I didn't like necessarily uh, the direction the program went uh, under Billy G. Uh, I, I, but, but as far as a person is concerned, I, I like Billy. But, yeah, it was a tough time for Kentucky basketball. It was very difficult. And it was not what we as Kentucky fans were about. But... To me, the worst thing that happened when Billy Gillespie was here was, a big, was that the Big Blue Nation didn't feel like they were a part of the program yeah. because they couldn't get to Billy G. Every coach to that point and every coach since, the fans at least felt like we can get to them. They're accessible. They're accessible. And... Uh, Coach Cal is the best in the business at that. Best ever. Ever. Because I've never seen a coach who, number one, can get eight, nine, ten thousand people to stay after a ball game <laughs> and listen to a press conference. I, I know. It's amazing. And every person there thinks that Coach Cal is talking only to me. No, he's only. <laughs> he, now, you guys, everybody else here, you're lucky to be a part of my conversation yes. with Coach Cal. <laughs> Because he's talking to me. Hey, guys, everyone quiet down. You know, God's talking to me. He, okay. He's talking to me, guys. Yes. Now, y'all listen. You can listen in if you shut up. It's so but true. But now if you say a word, you got to leave. I mean, everybody in the building. Don't interrupt me and Coach Cal. Yeah. I mean, he is the only person I know who has that kind of power. All right, Jack. I, I know Sean, Jen, and I think Simba want to talk to you. Let me ask you one question. I see on Twitter that Jack Givens was at – Kentucky Speedway. Is Jack Evans a NASCAR fan? Because I'm, a, I'm hey, not. Listen, I'm listen. not. And I saw you at Speedway, and I'll be honest, all I saw was I saw a headline, something like Goose Givens, Speedway, NASCAR, and I'm like, not reading the article. I don't care. Is Jack Givens a closet Speedway fan? Jack, let me know. Uh, you know what, man? Tell um, I've been to that race uh, three times, the last three years. Okay. Uh, the first time I went, uh, three years ago, um, I didn't know what a NASCAR was. Okay. 
I mean, I was invited to come out by uh, Mark Simmendinger, who's, uh, who runs the track. He's the man there. Uh, we were at a function together, and he said, man, why don't you come out and watch a race? I said, yeah, man, that sounds like something I wouldn't mind doing, you know? I mean, I'd never been to a track before. Of course not. Who does? But I, I got to tell you, man, I went, and it was the best, one of the best sporting experiences I've ever, I've ever had. In, in what, I'm sorry. Here's in, the deal. Tell me. because I, I mean, people don't get it, but here's the deal. I don't. Okay. Uh, now, I show up. And the first thing they do is they have a driver assigned to me, not a, not a NASCAR <laughs> driver, but uh, a guy on a, a golf cart okay. who is assigned uh, uh, to take me and my buddy with me, uh, Monty Taylor. And uh, uh, you can go. I mean, I can get, as, and I knew three or four people, three or four drivers. Uh, I, I knew... Um, uh, who Danica Patrick was. Obviously. And I had to get a picture with her. Obviously. I mean, and, and Jeff Gordon. Those were my two. I mean, Obviously, I, two I of my top I mean, five. <laughs> but, but I got there, and I could get within arm's length. How cool is that? Of that card that he drives for a living. I mean, you can get right up. Yeah, you're talking Jeff the, Gordon's 24. Yeah, yeah, number 24. Of course. You could get, you can get, I could, I, I mean, I was in the pit, man. I was right there in the garage. And not just me, but fans, I mean, they were right there on top of it. There's no other sport. I mean, you can't go to an NBA game and. Well, unless no, no, you, I, I did. I got thrown out and banned, but whatever. I ran around the. Yeah, yeah. But you know you can't walk. But you can't go back in the locker room and sit there and, oh, and, no, and I, I would and, get banned. Talk to uh, one of the guys. Uh, you can't do that with football. Uh, but with race car, with with NASCAR, you can get right there, uh, up close and personal with those guys. Now, would I want to sit in the stands and hear the noise? And no, but I was in the suite with uh, with the. Uh, uh, you know, the car owners and the, some of these guys, and there was food, and there was, I mean, that's the way to go. So you did it the Jack Evans way. I did it, the, the I did it a very special Jack, way. Jack, let me ask you a question, because you came to New York, and I, I hopefully, this is the first time we hung out in New York, I gave you the kind of the VIP experience. Does Jack Evans go anywhere without the VIP experience? I, I'm, I'm just never trying. going anywhere in New York without you. Right. I mean, the thing is, I mean, there's no way, I mean, it takes a year to do everything there is to do in New York, so... I've got a lot of special uh, nights left, that's for sure. All right, so Jack, you've been doing the show for like 25 minutes, and I, we've having a great night. I know a few people want to talk to you, so I'm going to introduce right now Sean Riddle. He's the president of the New York City Kentucky Alumni Association. Sean, don't embarrass me in the podcast. I know, of which I, I didn't even know existed. Oh, I it didn't exists, know it baby. Existed. So here's Sean, and Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. You know, based off what you were saying before, it's kind of hard to believe that you didn't have the VIP experience because whenever you walk into a room, you have a certain suave and a move. Well, thank you, you. The way that you talk, which is why I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk to you about your speaking because you do a lot of you're an all star. You're an all star in basketball, but you're also an all star in motivational speaking and. I'm really curious as to, because I know we talked about it a little bit before, but I didn't want to 
dive too much into it. You said that in high school, you weren't so good at speaking like publicly. Right. Was this something that you kind of developed? You know, as a player, like, did somebody coach you on it and you just did it on your own, or? Um, well, the interesting thing is at the University of Kentucky, because we as players, we get interviewed every day. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a constant. So one of the first things they do is they bring the players in. They get students who are in the broadcast department in college. They get students. They bring in to put the lights up. They mic you up, and the students will interview you. The camera's rolling. And they will interview you, and you learn. Uh, they teach you as best they can at that age to answer the question and answer the question direct. I mean, if they ask you what color is the sky, you say, well, the sky is blue. It's not a, I mean, some days it's a dark blue. Some days it's, you know, it's cloudy, and some days, uh, you know, it rains. And, I, you know, no, 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 I didn't ask you that. I asked you what color the sky is. The sky is blue. Okay, so they ask you to, uh, they teach you to answer the questions directly. Um, um, so we spent a lot of time on that, but only after, and, and obviously I was interviewed a lot throughout my college career, but only after I got out of college and I got into broadcasting, uh, spent 25, 20 some years broadcasting, only then uh, was I able to get to where I was really comfortable uh, speaking to people. And uh, now I do a lot of, uh, public speaking and I really enjoy it well even after that because you do a lot of speaking on behalf of different organizations things right. of that sort do you find yourself I guess a better way to put it is did you grow up as an adaptable person like when somebody would come up to you and be like hey can you speak on behalf of this organization do you have to sit there kind of think about it get yourself in the mindset mm -hmm. it takes time for you, you know? well the thing that I have to do first is I have to believe in the organization because I don't want to support something that I don't believe in so um, so I, I try to familiarize myself with what organization it is the thing that I like more than anything is organizations that deal with kids whether underprivileged kids whether it's sick kids whether it's cancer uh, whether it's kids who are going through, uh, whether it's Special Olympics, uh, all of those kinds of uh, uh, campaigns or, or areas that I like to get involved. So, uh, so that's what I like to do. Um, I, I like to believe in the organization. Uh, I like to believe in what their mission is. If there are kids involved, I really, really get excited about that. But sometimes I, I speak to... Uh, Organizations, businessmen, business organizations, um, um, and and I do some motivational stuff uh, uh, built around basketball, built around my playing, and built around my broadcasting and things I observe from watching the great players, the great teams, the great coaches, uh, how they do things, and uh, I put together some uh, some stuff that allow me to uh, motivate those kind of groups as well. I just uh, one more question, and it's about transitioning over to more business speaking. Have you ever been put in a position where you needed to talk to a business that you didn't really know what they were about, and you really had to investigate, look into it, or did you kind of just tell them straight up, like, you know, I just this isn't something I'm interested in? Well, I have turned down opportunities, but uh, when you're when you're uh, when your mission is to motivate people. Uh, it's interesting that uh, people who lack motivation, it doesn't matter what you do, what business you're in, 
uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, the pr principles to be the best that you can be occur in all, all walks of life, whether you're a kid, uh, uh, like I spoke to a couple nights ago, uh, Boys and Girls Club, whether you're that age, whether you're a high school basketball team, whether you're a college basketball team, or whether you're uh, a Fortune 500 company. If, you're, uh, if your company is struggling with people uh, underachieving, um, it doesn't matter what business that is, it's all the same. Uh, uh, less productivity, uh, less earning potential, uh, so not a successful business. So, uh, so the things I learned through sports, uh, trying to be the best that I could be and then my teams could be, and then watching the great teams and the great players, there are certain characteristics and that all those successful teams and people have uh, that you can uh, relate to people who are underachieving uh, that could help them be the, be better than what they are at this time. Okay. All right, Jack. I, the the whole conversation got really serious, but Jack, we have I have around we have five more minutes with you. Is that cool? That's cool. You know what's funny? It doesn't matter if he says it's cool because where is ride home? So listen, Jack, I want to speak to Jen. Obviously, Jen. Now I'm gonna introduce Jen right now. She's the vice president. No, I'm gonna introduce Jen. She's one of the coolest people I know. I'm sorry, no, this is Jen coming on. Oh, this is Jen. <laughs> Jen is one of the coolest people I know. She's the vice president of the Kentucky Alumni Association. She's from Ohio. She likes Ohio State football, but she always roots for Kentucky, and here she is. She actually is just one. She's just an amazing person. She's an architect, and here's Jennifer Stevenson. Jen, come on, please. Thanks, Mike. Um, okay, first, since Mike mentioned that I'm from Ohio, um, I didn't grow up with Kentucky basketball, right. and I find it interesting that you didn't really follow the university when you were growing up. But now that I went to UK for college, um, I want to know what you think of the Big Blue Nation and how you feel about the university since you went there and since you played there. Um, do you find that Kentucky people, how, how do you find that they treat you after you played there? Um, it's amazing. Uh, there's nothing like the Big Blue Nation. I mean, no school in the – I don't care what school. You want to talk Duke. You want to talk Louisville. Let's you want to talk Duke or Louisville. Talk Carolina. <laughs> you want to talk any of the major colleges, basketball schools in the country. Um, you realize very quickly there is nothing like the Big Blue Nation. Um, you go to a game. I don't care if it's – here in New York City. I don't care if it's in Los Angeles. I don't care if it's in Las Vegas. I don't care if it's in Pikeville, Kentucky. The fans are going to be there. And the fact that I won the championship way back in the old days in 1978, uh, the fact that people still know who I am to me is amazing. But they treat me as though it was yesterday that I won a championship. And I think that goes along with uh, playing basketball at the University of Kentucky. Nothing like the Big Blue Nation. You know, I told you earlier, my dad's a Buckeye. Right. OH, you know, I got to throw it in there. Okay. But uh, he told me, even though he's a Buckeye, you were one of his favorite players growing up. And that, that meant a lot to me because he gives me a hard time because I went to Kentucky. But I appreciate that he just appreciates the greatness of the game. And you were well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, if he's a sports fan, um, he knows that uh, there are certain traits that you can like no matter what school you go to. I mean, uh, you know, now he's Ohio State. He'd never uh, cheer from Michigan. No. I mean, no. I understand that. Um, 
But you can still look at a Michigan player and say, that guy is pretty good. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he has some talent. And uh, so I'm glad he uh, uh, stepped across the state line and uh, Me too. Yeah, came down to <laughs> Kentucky and he at least uh, supports something about uh, and he needs to support it because he paid a lot of money to get you your edu- help you get your education. <laughs> we're there, still so. paying for that, by the way. <laughs> well, we're always gonna pay for it, and Jen's bar bill is killing everything. But I love how diplomatic Jack is. Instead of saying, "Oh yes," he's like, "Well, he appreciates greatness. He's <laughs> oh, yeah, he's right. so many job forty one." I. Instead of being modest, Jack is like, well, listen, he appreciates greatness. I dropped 41 in the championship game, and it was just – I think was, those are your words. Oh, they are my words. All right, now, Jack, we're going to wrap this up in a minute, but if, I think Jen has a couple more questions for you. Okay. Sim is going to jump in. You don't mind hanging out, Jack, right? I'm good to go, man. I'm you know yours. He has, he has no other option because yeah. we're not letting him go. Go what ahead. You think? Right. You think I'm going to say no? no and I mean, you know, you know. All right, my last question. Since I didn't grow up with Kentucky basketball – how did you get the nickname Goose? Well, Goose came, uh, uh, Harlem, uh, 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 Goose Tatum played with uh, the Harlem Globetrotters mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, and the guys on my high school team said I resemble Goose and uh, his style of play. So they started calling me that in high school. And it just stuck. And it just stuck because uh, at that time I didn't like the nickname. I didn't <laughs> want them calling me that. So, of course, that made them call me that even more. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it just stuck. I mean, nowadays people think that's the name that's on my birth certificate, uh, which uh, – and they don't believe Jack's on there, but, of course, it is. So, uh, but, yeah, that's where it came from. Right. <laughs> I actually feel the pain. Um, people call me Michael McAwesome, and I've been saying forever, guys, my name's not Michael McAwesome Superstar. <laughs> or it's not. All right, Jack, I'm going to wrap this up, and I have three other great questions for you, okay? Right. I'm going to say great questions. Why? Because I'm asking them. Last time I asked you this, you had, to this day, the two best answers. And I mean that. The coolest person. We're at a bar now, drinking water. There's only a few of us here. Just say the bar was packed. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, who's that? Oh, that's Jack. I don't know who he is. I was born in 83. Okay, bro. Watch who we can text. I want the two coolest people on your phone that you can text right now that would text you back. Um, Remember, they can text you back. I have people in my – like I always tell everyone this. I have Pete Rose in my phone. Whatever. There's an order protection. Whatevs. <laughs> I have his phone number. Scott Boris, he hasn't answered me in nine years. He probably changed his number. Who are the two coolest people on your phone right now that would text back to you? Well, I could uh, probably text Shaq. Damn it. I hate that his says is so good. It's such a good answer. Okay. Well, because Shaq's in my phone and uh, – Shaq would text me back. Shaq is, that's the greatest answer ever. Okay. He would text me back. Okay. Um, who else do I have in there? I could go through there. Um, I do, I, I mean, I don't know that Michael would text me back, but I do have Michael Jordan's number. I, I, I don't think, I don't know that he would text me back, uh, but I could text him. And I think if I told him who I was, and I mean, he would, he would text me back. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I, those Jack, are how could you be Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal? Pretty, pretty cool guys. I'll make a deal with you right now. Okay. I have two other silly questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. And you've done way longer than I thought you were going to do. And Jen and Sean were beyond awesome. If someone wants to jump on before we leave for a question, December you come back here. Right. We go out for dinner. We go out for, What are the odds that we hang out, we'll have three glasses of water, 
we call Shaquille O'Neal. Just keep that in your mind. It's going to happen. I will, I will think about it. That's all I asked. All right, guys, we're going to steal his phone and go to his number. Okay, Jack, I need you to express to the fans what happened to us. We're going to wrap this up now in the heads-up game. What happened to us? We were, we were down, we were we were down seventeen fourteen seventeen fourteen. And explain what happened in the final round before Simber asks a question, and then we wrap it up. Well, we were we were down what seventeen fourteen. We yes. needed three points, three to tie, four to win. And we had what was the category we had? I mean, it was something branded. Like, it was brands, branded. Jack. Uh, so you had to kind of uh, they give you brands like. Pillsbury. Yes. And, you, uh, and I, I would you know, say. You would say Doughboy. Doughboy. And I would say Pillsbury. Exactly. And I was one, the one getting the clues. Yes. We, 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 we were giving, Simber and I were giving you clues. You were giving me clues. And I got some of the worst. <laughs> worst. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was unbelievable how bad those, uh, the clues were. I mean. I'm thinking, I mean, I don't know what to say about it, but we ended up losing. No, no, I, is, I, 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 no Jack, we tied. Well, we did tie. And then we went to the animal category. But we category. went to the animal category. <laughs> we got and, embarrassed. Oh, we got embarrassed in the uh, animal category. I mean, I couldn't get enough answers to, to, to win. All we needed was four in about five minutes. Uh, yeah. we, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. All right. Jack, we're going to wrap this podcast, and I'll be honest, I know I keep saying this, and I can't thank you enough for doing this, because for you, it's just, you know, um, putting a microphone in front of you, we're talking among friends, but for some reason, and I get people listen to this, um, I do this for fun, I get no money, no sponsorship, to have Jack Givens on my show, it's, it's, it's beyond cool, and well, I appreciate you yeah, having me on. It's, Absolutely. It's beyond cool. So let's let's get Simba have on. I have one last question for you, but let's Simba who's I'm sorry, I you're on the board of the Kentucky Alumni Association. I believe at this point in three days you're homeless. But at this point <laughs> No 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 guys, guys, guys. You know, I love that like over a thousand people listen to every one of my shows. But Simba, if anyone lives in New York City, because he he won't leave New York City. So here's Simba. Simba's talking to the great Jack Goose Givens. And Simba, let's talk. That is correct. If you do have an extra room that you're willing to rent out <laughs> for three months, no, I'm in between prices for three months, please do give me a call. Call Mike. I won't give you my phone out okay, like, in public okay. like that. Anyways, um, for, uh, for Goose... Um, I feel like I'm the only person here tonight who has an experience with, like, Lexington in terms of, like, the kids who grow up in around Lexington. Because right. I went to high school there, and uh, and I'm familiar with, like, uh, Bryan Station, right. where you went to high school. Exactly. And um, what <laughs> I have... I don't know how to exactly ask this, but like, um, what sometimes people don't realize is the racial divide that still is in existence within the Lexington community. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had friends that I went to school with in Jasmine County, 
that have been caught up within like the drug warfare that's going on right now in Lexington, which sure. is like a big deal. And um, you as a mentor, how have you been able to like influence like the community and how do you continue? What, what programs would you like recommend people like myself who want to help but don't really know how to help mm -hmm. that side? Because I just had a, honest to God, last year, a buddy of mine mm -hmm. that I went to mm -hmm. high school with who got like killed in Lexington on the west side. Right. Well, the thing you, uh, you have to understand is that... Um, this is a serious question, by the way. Oh, I yeah, sure, sure. On like a light uh, conversation, but I feel like you're the type of person as a Lexingtonian that would be like... Well, yeah, the, th uh, some of the thing you, uh, uh, we all must understand is that uh, the same issues that uh, people are dealing with in New York and L.A. and then uh, Philly and Boston and a lot of other larger cities throughout our country, you deal with those same issues in the smaller cities as well, and Lexington is no uh, exception to that. Um, I, but I think the thing that uh, must start to be done um, is that we must work harder to get to our kids, get to our young people, at a, a, a youth at a very young age. Uh, because sometimes if you wait until high school, uh, sometimes even middle school, uh, you've waited too late. Uh, so I, I like to promote organizations like the Boys and Girls Club because those kids start in the program very young. Uh, get people like yourself who, uh, who are educated because being educated is a big part of it. Uh, uh, a lot of times uh, the inner city schools, for instance, are not as good as some of the others, some of the private schools and some of the other schools. So I think we have to uh, step out of our comfort zone as uh, educated people, and, and, and especially educated uh, uh, African-American, although you are African, uh, but educated black people. We, we must step out of our comfort zone, reach a hand out uh, to the young kids and, and offer up some assistance. I mean, one of, the, one of my greatest accomplishments, um, um, you know, and I... You never know when you get involved in various programs. You never know what your involvement means. But one of my one of most uh, my most proud uh, accomplishments, achievements was uh, when I was 17 years old, just graduating Bryan Station High School. I, I got into the uh, Big Brothers program, Big Brothers Big Sisters program. I became a big brother and I uh, adopted. Uh, paired with, however you want to put it, a kid uh, from the inner city. And what I learned very quickly is when you pair with one of those kids, uh, you pair with the community because there's never one, a family like that with just one kid. Uh, so he, uh, Scott Ferguson is his name. Scott had two or three younger brothers, younger siblings. So if I took Scott fishing, I would take three or four other kids fishing. If I played basketball with Scott, I would play basketball with 10 or 12 kids. I mean, uh, but, but my greatest accomplishment as Scott, as he grew up, he finished high school. He was a ball boy at the University of Kentucky, uh, uh, got his degree, then went to the service. And I had lost contact with Scott a long time ago, but he went to the service, came back, and I kind of reconnected and 
um, I got a call from him one day, and he said, uh, Jack, I just want you to know that if it were not for you, uh, when, I, when you were my big brother, and uh, the direction you gave me at a very impressionable age, I don't know where I would be. But I want you to know that I become the first person, I am becoming the first person at Eastern Kentucky University to get a doctorate degree in this particular field. First African-American to do that at Eastern Kentucky University. And he said, I know I would not have gotten there if it were not for you. Uh, and and I, I told Scott, I said, Scott, well, you had that in you, man, all along. That had nothing to do with me. He said, no, no, no. You got to understand that the example you set, and I didn't think much of it other than I was given a little bit of my time, but, uh, but that was one of my greatest accomplishments. And to hear that, it was obviously very emotional for me. I mean, I cried like a baby when he told me that. Uh, but... It just took a little time. It just took a little time. And I think we all have a little time. We should have a little time to give to kids who are in need. Absolutely. So, uh, so that's what I would recommend. Uh, just giving of our time. We don't, it didn't cost me very much money. Uh, I mean, what does going to a bait shop and getting a thing of worms? I mean, you know, to take kids just, fishing, you know? I mean, it didn't cost a lot of money. It just took some time, and I think that's what kids need. Absolutely, it's some time. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I just have a heart for like that community as much as I do for like Eastern Kentucky. Sure, but sure. like to a certain extent, I feel like we forget about that. We tend to like always look at Louisville as like you know that's the city, but like yeah. forget like well, we forget that part of Lexington, but we overlook like, the power we have, the things that we can yes. do. Uh, as opposed to selling ourselves short yes. and, and thinking we don't make that much difference. Yes. I'll let Mike take back and like make it a little bit lighter because I, 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 <laughs> no, no, I went there. No, Sibby, you, you didn't go there. As, hold on, everyone. All right, people are praying now. Lighting <laughs> seance candles. All right, Jack, give it to us. No, no, no. We're, we're going to rack this. Hold on, let me wake a few. Guys, 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 wake up. Sorry, uh, Simba put everyone to sleep. And now three people are crying. All right, Jack Givens, um, for you to come on my show, well, you had no choice. Um, I know that. But I do want to thank you. You know, we joke around when people come on, come on the show, and for some reason, I look at my thing, and I have like uh, 183 guests. Um, and I'm always like, holy shit, like growing up, um, I knew who you were because of my, in 92, I became a fan. I started like uh, reviewing the history. And I'd read not just sports figures, but I, like I said to you, Damien Eccles and uh, different authors that come on, Mark Bowden, and all these different people who have such a big influence in my life. And you're, you're one of them. You, you really are. To come on my show, it's, at first I'm like, oh, I have a little show. The fact that people listen, I just want to thank you. I truly want to thank you, not only for coming to New York, but to call me, to spend time with me. Like For you, just like, oh, I'll throw a mic on. But for me, this is like a great... Um, a great moment it really is we spoke on the phone before you did my show but I, just want, I actually truly want to thank you for coming on I really mean that it, it, no it, I, I want to thank you man this has been a great a great day I know that I'm, uh, I'm awesome a, thank a, you a great evening no <laughs> question about it you have uh, allowed me some experiences that I don't think I would have had a chance to experience um, 
so I, I really appreciate uh, you and, and, and everybody, really. I mean, uh, well, th- I, I, frankly, I've had a little bit more fun with the other guys than you. No, I'm, <laughs> just ki- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, but no, it's been it's been a it's been a fun night. It really has. And now I'm gonna tell you the truth. And here's here's what happens. And you kind of again when I say you have no choice, you kind of don't. In December, you're coming up here again. I'll I'll text your wife. I'll call her. I'll harass her. Because Sim, yes, Simber and I are staying at your place in October. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna have Come you up. Down. We're gonna have you up here. I'm gonna give you like 11 waters. We're calling Shaq. Um, but I, I just want I just want to ask you one real question and. It's yes or no. Were you with your wife when you won the championship? No, no. Okay, no, now no. let me ask you. And I'm not going to ask personal questions because I've asked every person. I don't know if you know this. I never won a professional championship or a gold medal. I don't know if you know this. That is news to me. It, I, that is news. Isn't it? Because you would see me be like, you see that man, gold medalist, has the NCAA championship ring ever gotten you a girl's phone number. Let's put it that. Let's make it as a. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it I has. Love, I love. Uh, I love. Really. Um, I just show them the box score. <laughs> yeah, I carry that and autograph pictures. I mean, you know, I got all that in my pocket. You know, I mean, I'm loaded up, man. Or the or the SI uh, or the SI cover. Yeah, the sports. Oh, let's end with this. We're gonna end with this. And I actually just last time. I know you know the answer, but we have a new audience because of people who came on the show. You were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Right. Um, I'm just checking. I was not on the cover. You were on the cover of Sports What was the headline on the cover of Sports Illustrated? The goose is golden. How cool is that? Damn it. That's cool. <laughs> Jack Evans, thank you for coming on. Thanks, thank you Mike. for Sean Riddle, Jen Stevenson, Simba, uh, Jack Dempsey's. I really appreciate you coming on. And I know it's like, oh, it's fun. But I get a lot of listeners because of people like you. So well, thank thanks you. Thanks so much. Have thank a great you, brother. Time. Thank you.